looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post for Sunday, September 5. Big shout-out to all the dads. Happy Father's Day. Max Fowler's listening in this morning, as he should do, and he'll be having a good day later in the day. The man sitting alongside of me, he's a proud father. Morning, Ben. Yes, good morning, David, and happy Father's Day to everyone out there. i got a little gift from my daughter this morning. She filled in a quiz about me, and I'll just give you a couple of questions she answered. She was asked how old I was. She said about 20, so, you know, only sort of 25 years off, but, you know, pretty good guess. And uh, what do I do for work? And the answer was he calls people, which is actually pretty astute, I think. Exactly right, exactly right. Bit of uh, housework before we get going. Look, fixed odds at the moment, folks, for our customers out there uh, for, for racing and for sports. Not available at the moment. It's an issue that's being worked on. Should be available in the next two or three hours. So just keep that in mind. If you're trying to have a fixed odds bet either on racing or sport, just to be a little patient, there is an issue that they're working on, working on speedily. And it should be right within two or three hours. So just giving you that this morning. Well, a lot to cover off from yesterday. Certainly the two glamour horses, Nature Strip and Zaki, both back for the spring, both big ticks. But a lot of a lot else happening around the country. We'll come to, to Zaki soon and Nature Strip a little bit later. But let's firstly go to, to Royal Ramick for yesterday. And we had a, a brace of group enlisted races. Let's go to the Chelmsford. This was race eight, of course, group two level. And the favourite for the race was Cascadian at $3. Riadini still going well. Riadini three in front from Shared Ambition. Think It Over gets to third. Followed by Fun Fact, Cucaracha, Cascadian making minor headway. Montefilia down the outside. Riadini in front. Think It Over is the main chaser. The only chaser. Riadini still in front from Think It Over is getting serious now. Riadini a half in front, a neck in front. Think It Over lunges the outside. Oh, this is awfully close. Uh, think it over's made the lunge at Riadini right on the wire, and there's nothing in it. Good gap back to Montefilia third, then Cascadian shared ambition. Uh, fun fact, she's ideal order again. Uh, master of wine from attorney, Nancho dropped out, and Salino, photo finish. Well, he did have a lot of luck first up in the wings, think it over, but things went according to plan yesterday. A good run in transit, good ride by Nash Willerback riding, and yes, he got the judges' nod right on the line to beat Riadini. Kerry Parker is thinking over his trainer and Kerry's our first guest on Past the Post. Kerry, good morning, congratulations. No, we haven't got him there at the moment, so we'll get him back very soon. But nice to see this horse thinking over. Um, trained by not a, uh, uh, a high-profile trainer, but a trainer that's always had uh, a nice horse in work, and, and this one thinking over is right up there at the top. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've got Kerry on the line now, Dave. Kerry, good morning, congratulations. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Nice to think that you've got one of the... The, the best horses in Australia in this zone. Uh, it, it, it must be a great feeling. Oh, no doubt at all. Uh, you know, uh, we're only a small stable, uh, but it doesn't matter what stable you are, I think they're hard to come across a, a good, genuine horse like him. And, Kerry, not much has gone right for this uh, horse, has it, since he won the the Group 1 George Ryder? I mean, he, he even got scratched, I think, uh, from memory from the Doncaster because uh, he cut his head, I think, in the float, and, and you've been a bit luckless and had various little things go wrong. So it's, it was great to see everything fall into place for you yesterday. Yeah, definitely. Well, even even just the fact of, uh, you know, the start of this preparation with uh, Brenton uh, having a fall earlier in the day, you know, uh, uh, first up this prep. And, um, uh, and of course, Bossy, you know, going to sort of Melbourne and gets into quarantine and comes out again, and by then I've made a commitment to somebody else, and, uh, you know, that's... Uh, you know, I'm not going to renege on my uh, on my commitment. So, uh, uh, yeah, it hasn't been, you know, clean sailing, as they say. We often ask trainers uh, who are uh, uh, big race winners, uh, how was the watch for you? Now, I suppose he, he won, but it probably was a bit of an anxious watch because it took a long time up the straight to get down, Riaditi. Oh, definitely. You know, at the, at the 300, I was, I, was, I was a lot more confident at the 300 than I was at the 30-metre mark. <laughs> and and Kerry... Sorry, yeah, sorry, right. sorry, Kerry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but last prep he was going at big odds, wasn't he? And he was sort of, I think, maybe in the, the eyes of punters, a bit unfashionable, a bit unheralded. But, but he's sort of, he's, he's half become the yeah, the punters' pin-up almost. He, I think he was started $7 at the start before when he was unlucky in the winks and, and was well back $4.20 favourite. So he's really getting that um, that, that credit he deserves from, uh, from the marketplace now, isn't he? Yeah, I think they've worked out uh, a while to sort of grab onto him that he's... Um 
uh, consistent as he is. You know, you can, he gives you 110% every time he goes round, and that, that was proof yeah, yesterday. You know, to chase, chase that leader down, it just kept kicking. So uh, I think, um, you know, they finally woke up to uh, where he is, but... Uh, you know, I, I was able to make a dollar out of him last prep, and this prep, I'm just uh, hopefully I've been able to enjoy it. Exactly right. Well, what uh, path do we plot now? Do we go to the George Main in, in two weeks' time? Yeah, I'd say so. Of course, that's that's going to be uh, you know a, a, a lot stronger race. Um, but all in all, uh, you know, he's he where he is and where he's where he's rating and everything is now. You know, there, there is nowhere to hide. You've uh, you've got to step up to the big guns. Yeah, he'll be up to nearly 120, or around that 120 mark after yesterday. What is the grand final for him? Well, hoping the Cox Plate, if he can prove himself in that grade, you know, um, uh, I think that's uh, that, that's sort of the the aim. Uh, when you've got a horse of this bloke's calibre, uh, to, to win a Cox Plate would just be, you know, uh, over the moon with anybody. Um, but uh, yeah, so at this stage we're still just going along that wait for age uh, prep and uh, sort of heading with that, that that being our main target. Have you got a jockey locked in for the George Main? Uh, well, no, you, uh, you no. wouldn't have in Melbourne. Uh, no, well, I think um, that, that'll come down to uh, uh, Richard Johnson, the owner, and myself to sort of have a chat about now um, with, with everything that's gone uh, gone on here um, with with the swap of jocks and things. Now, uh, uh, that'll, that'll come down to a bit of a chat now um, and to see which way we want to go. We can draw a bit of a line, you know, looking at a Cox play when we talk about the Queen Elizabeth, which was his last run, last campaign. And, uh, well, you know, he probably could have a little bit better luck in the straight as well, but his run was very good that day behind a day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I think that's that's where he held his own. And, uh, you know, uh, he that nothing had gone real good into it. He'd gone from, you know, the George Ryder and gone three weeks uh, into, into stepping up to the 2000 into that. So... You know, and he, and he held his own. He proved then that uh, you know he, he was up to him. Um, although they're they're all tactical races, those wait for age races. Uh, you know, and that was sort of slowly muddly run race that day. So, uh, but he he's he's proven he gets out there and just gives you 110. Yeah, percent Exactly right. Uh, has he raced outside of New South Wales? Uh, no, no. Okay, so another new frontier as well. All exciting yeah. times ahead. Enjoy the, enjoy the day. Great win yesterday, and we hope we can talk to you again during the spring. Uh, cheers, guys. All the best. Thank you. There is Kerry Parker, who trains Think It Over. Uh, and you're 100% right, Ben. He was disrespected in the market last campaign. Kept running good races, but still kept going at good odds. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, gee whiz, the bars raised next time, though, isn't it? I mean, mm. potentially taking on the likes of Zaki and Very Elegant. Uh, but it was a good, tough, strong win yesterday. And Nashua Willard, gee whiz, wasn't he a key at the end with his, uh, with his riding style? Just willed that horse over the line. I often think, and, and, and it's out of no disrespect at all, but but often with prices, uh, if Think It Over was trained by Chris Waller or, you know, um, something of the like, it'd be shorter in the market. It, it, it's trainers who are not, and, and the word's not unfashionable, but small-time trainers, trainers with a small team, trainers that aren't up there in the headlines, often the, the price about their horses are more generous because of their name. Yeah. Their, their lack of exposure. Yeah, 100%. And you see that all around uh, the country, don't you? You make a very good point, Dave. Out of the race as well. Uh, well, Riadini ran the race of his life. He only just got knocked off. Montefilia, nice run, uh, hitting the line well. Melbourne Cup way down the track. Cascadian didn't put it as well yesterday as he did in the wings. So I think you're being a bit kind there. I think Cascadian's in the sack file for me after yesterday, and anyone who dived in at the $3 would probably put uh, that horse in the same boat. But, look, nice horse, but not a horse I could be backing at those odds, of, I'd suggest, in future. Yeah, and, and this this horse isn't in the sack file, but similar to Cascadian, didn't deliver that red flashing light yesterday like he did first up, She's Ideal. Yeah, it was more. interesting. Maybe just a second up thing. I mean, he, he, that, that horse has got bigger fish to fry, obviously. I mean... Beyond Baker was, you know, talking potentially Caulfield and Melbourne Cups even. So, uh, look, I wouldn't be sacking that horse off the run uh, yesterday. It was huge first up. Well, Tab Fixed aren't uh, disrespecting Think It Over. $9 down to 7 for the George Main, which, of course, is in two weeks' time. We might be talking more about the George Main with our next guest. Let's go to the tramway. And here was the reappearance of Zaki. He was awesome during our carnival up here during the winter and uh, well fancy to win first up. The class runner, $2.30. They straighten up now, and it's Mantapiece just in front of Prime Star. He joins him. Then shout the bar, Dream Force. And McDonald says, Go on, Zaki. Down the middle of the track, and Zaki shot to the front and kicked away in the tramway from Dream Force. 
prime star, Arameo, late on the scene, but he basically picks up where he left off in Brisbane. This is a demolition job in the tramway. Eased him down, Zaki, to win it by two lengths to Arameo. Star of the Sea, third. Then came Rock from Shout the Bar, All Saints Eve. Dreamforce pulled hard in the run from Lions Roar, and a prime star weakened out. Well, as Darren Flindell said, and quite succinctly as well, he picked up where he left off. He was great during the uh, the, the winter here, of course, with the Hollandale, the Doom and Cup, and then the Q22. And yesterday, an, expect, an expected victory, but uh, nevertheless a very impressive one. Well, absolutely. And you know what I loved about that uh, win too? I mean, people down south pop the Queensland winner carnival form, don't they? And, and in the last few weeks, we've seen Private Eye win in magnificent fashion. Ayrton win nicely, and now Zaki just round them up and do that. I mean, for people potting the Queensland Winter Carnival form, you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it, I reckon. Yeah, and come next Saturday, incentivise back and Converge resumes in the uh, in the run of the Rose. They were two other major stars, so we'll be watching that intently. Zaki actually jumped well. He looked as though he was going to be caught three wide, and then a space appeared, and uh, McDonald was able to slot him in. He had a good run in transit, but oh, it was the arrogance with, with which he won. I'm sure this lady will be more than happy to talk about Zaki's superiority. Annabelle Nisham, always uh, very obliging with us on Past the Post. Annabelle, good morning. Morning, guys. How are you? Very well. I'm sure you are as well. We are just talking about Zaki yesterday, and... That easing down by Jay Mack over the last 50 metres um, was something to, to behold. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was pretty dominant. Um, yeah, obviously a little bit nervous, um, as you always are when they're resuming sort of high course, I suppose. But um, actually in the run, I was pretty relaxed. I thought James did a great job to get him in a, a lovely spot, and he never really looked in doubt. Annabelle, there's always narcs overseas, and uh, you know there have been recently as well saying, "Oh, gee whiz, this horse wasn't much overseas." Uh, gee whiz, it's improved lengths in Australia. Do you think this horse has improved lengths? I mean, is there something, um, you know, something you've been able to do just just to get the very best out of this horse, or was he always th- this sort of horse that that you felt could do something like this? Well, he was a genuine Group Two, sort of Group Two slash Three horse over there. He held the track record over an, a mile at Epsom. So he was pretty handy over there, but he's, I suppose he has gone to another level, but I don't think he needed to improve a whole lot off his best form there to to make it as a really good horse. I just think he I think he just loves the... You know, it's very different training a horse in Australia to training a horse in the UK. And I think he must just... He obviously just thrives in, in the environment here and, and the training style of Australia. I'm sure vice versa, you'll get some horses that would improve over there. Um, and, you know, again, you get you get other horses that are, are probably better performed than him over there that don't perform well here. They just don't adapt. So I think the main thing is he's just taken to it like a duck to water. This horse is giving you an absolutely awesome ride, but he's giving you a few butterflies in the stomach as well. You mentioned yesterday a few nerves before the race, and, and I get that because a horse of such high profile and such boom on him... Uh, you're on the kicking to nothing, aren't you, when he races first up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I was actually re- quite relaxed yesterday. I was, I was surprised. And um, I think it's because I knew sort of win, lose or draw. I knew he was going to run well and hit the line well. Um, but I probably didn't expect such a dominant display, to be honest, first up. Um, he's obviously carried over quite a bit of residual fitness from his, his Brisbane campaign. But... Uh, yeah, it was just thrilling to watch and, and a, I suppose, yeah, a big relief. And, you know, I'm just so lucky to have him. Um, it's, yeah, it's pretty surreal that in my first year of training, I, I landed a horse like him and um, he sort of come out of the out of the woodwork, I suppose you could say. I've heard you talk, Annabelle, about some of the little quirks and, and things he's got. I mean, he, he seems relatively straightforward on, on race day, but there, there must he, does he give you a little bit, not of not trouble, but is is there? Can you can you tell the listeners just the the, the Zaki you see behind the scenes that 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 he's a little bit quirky and a bit different? Yeah, I mean, a, he he is straightforward, but he's you know the, he can have a bit of a buck, um, and coming off the track, he can he can spin around. And Raphael, who rides him every day, he knows him inside out, and he's always got his got, got his finger in the neck strap because uh, you know he he's so quick to move um, when he wants to spook, but. That's probably his, his main quirks, but he, he certainly, I think he's got more of a presence about himself. It's like he knows he's good here. Um, 
and he does strut around. I think James said he'd like he struts around like King Kong yesterday, <laughs> and um, and that's such a good analogy of him because he he knows he's uh, he knows he's a good horse the way he marches around and and uh, you know I had I have two handlers on him in the yard. He probably didn't need it yesterday, but when you leg when you leg uh, the riders on the jockeys on, he can sometimes lash out. It's not nasty. It's just freshness. He actually he was got pretty close to my head when I. When I legged Raf on at the trials, um, it took three goes to get him on because he was just trying to explode every time I went to leg him on. So he's he's quirky in that way, but um, it's nice, you know, an older horse like that. It's nice when they're um, still enthusiastic. The grand final is, uh, of course, obvious. The Cogs played. Now, just reading the post-race reports, uh, you were undecided whether you'd go to the George Main or maybe the Underwood at Sandown, that's an 1800 metre race at the the end of the month. Uh, are you any clearer in your thoughts this morning on that? Um, not really. We'll work that out tomorrow. Um, it's. I probably would rather go to the Underwood. I like, he's going to have to have three weeks between runs at some stage, um, and I'd like to do it at the start of the campaign. But just depends on logistics. Because if I could um, get staff into quarantine down there, mm. which is what we're trying to work on, um, that would certainly make life easier and it probably make my decision for me but if not you know he's got the George Main there as an option I don't think it really matters which he goes to it's it's uh obviously you know he's going to be really competitive and, and hopefully hard to beat wherever he goes but it's still just about uh being a stepping stone towards his grand final at, at what point Annabelle do you lock in a Melbourne based jockey to to ride him potentially in the Underwood but certainly the Cox Plate because I mean James McDonald yesterday said he was going to do everything to try and get there but that would seem uh, roughly four billion to one at the moment with the COVID situation. I mean, he, he just about have to swim across the Murray River uh, to, to to sort of be any chance. So, I mean, the, you know, it, it looks for all intents and purposes like you're going to need a Melbourne jockey. So, at what point do you make that call? At what point do you sort of, you know, say, "Rightio, we've got to lock someone in." Yeah, um, well, Craig Williams will ride him in the Underwood if he goes there. Um, I haven't locked anyone in beyond that. He's He's, uh, look, I know a lot of people are locking in jockeys, but I suppose we're just hoping there's a small glimmer of hope. It's still a long way to the Cox Plate, you know, whether the landscape changes. And they seem to be able to get AFL players around the place. So whether uh, we can stretch that to jockeys, I don't know. But we'll be we'll be trying. Um, but look, if not, um, I'm sure Craig will be trying to put his hand up to, to ride him beyond the Underwood. He's a very experienced rider. He's won a couple of Cox Plates before and is great under pressure. So... Um, that there were plenty of, of jockeys holding their hand up and um, I'm sure they'll continue to do so. It's amazing how you become popular with jockey agents when you've got a horse like this. <laughs> you, and you make a very good point that this COVID situation, it does change day by day and the Cox Plate is still a, a fair way away, relatively speaking. I just want to go back to the, the Winter Carnival and, of course, the high mark was the Dooman Cup win, you know, a seven-length margin and ease down. When he went to the Q22, and you weren't always certain you were going to go there, but in the end you did. The money was good, and, and he won. Did you expect a more dominant performance that day? Um, probably not. I was, I, the distance worried me a little bit. I thought he might be vulnerable um, over the extended distance, but I did just think class would probably carry him to the win, and it was probably the you know the lure of the prize money mm. and the fact that the horse was in good shape that, that we did run him. James said he didn't feel as brilliant as he had done. Um, he'd probably just come to the end of it, to be honest. He'd, he'd done a fair bit of racing last prep. Um, but, you know, he still won pretty comfortably um, yeah. over probably an unsuitable distance. I think that probably is stretching him a little far. Where do we see Moorga next? He probably goes to the Maccabi Diva. Um, we've got Jai McNeil booked for him there, so we'll be an acceptor. And if we're happy with him, he, he worked reverse way yesterday um, and was very good. If we're happy with him um, through the week next week, then then he may head down to to Flemington. I think he'll love that big track, long straight. Um, again, he's still got the option of the George Main as well. If for whatever reason we didn't like the look of the the Maccabi Diva, but um, just keen to keep all options open with him. He's you know he's a very versatile horse as well, and he could go to a Cox Plate or a or a Golden Eagle, probably favouring the latter at this stage, but um, it'll be good to, to give him a run Melbourne way if we can next weekend, which will just you know keep, keep all doors open. 
the most important question of the lot to finish, Annabelle. Did you have any of those uh, home delivered margaritas like you last night, like you did when <laughs> uh, when Mulder won the Group One? Was there anything anything on that front you can report? Yeah, I might be a little bit guilty of having had a couple of mugs. <laughs> Outstanding. Hey, <laughs> uh, th- thanks for your time this morning. Looks like it's a, a good spring ahead. If yesterday's an indication, it's going to be, and we'll keep in touch during the next few months. Thanks, guys. Annabelle Neesham, always uh, very obliging uh, with her uh, media commitments, as she would be aware, Ben. Yeah, I think she's a champion in the same vein as a horse, to be honest. Um, you know, it, it, you know, there's all different sorts of trainers. Everyone's got a different personality. But I love, love, love the way she has just grasped the opportunity to promote this horse, promote her brand. And she's always available uh, when she can be for radio, for, for myself as a print journo. She would dead set get, I reckon, 12 calls a day from the media and that's that's just the media i mean what about you know owners jockeys uh you know riders agents you know all that sort of stuff her phone will be constantly ringing she's a superstar she's an absolute superstar every every big race you look at that potentially zaki can be in the price has gone after yesterday george main 350 to 250 underwood three dollars down to 230 turnbull six dollars down to four but the biggie the cox plate 450 down to three. Yeah, absolutely. And look, just a bit of a, a cross promotional plug here. Uh, News Limited, uh, who I work for, the, the News Limited papers that we're familiar with, and, and sites like RaceNet and Super Racing and Punters, we've signed Annabelle Nisham up to be a spring columnist for us. So if you like what you heard there from Annabelle Nisham, you'll be able to read her thoughts and a bit of stuff from the Inner Sanctum uh, across our, um, you know, uh, paper publications and also our digital mastheads during the spring. There's a bit of breaking news this morning. Thank you for that. Uh, look, the horses behind Zaki, I suppose they all faded into uh, oblivion, so to speak. But that second horse, Arameo, the margin, the beaten margin was a bit flattered because uh, McDonald did deliberately ease Zaki down. But he didn't do much uh, uh, during the winter. Um, Arameo had three runs in Flem- at Fl- Flemington, uh, former Singaporean galloper. But his run was good. He, he came out of the ruck and hit the line hard. Yeah, absolutely. And But what about these narcs, David, saying, oh, Zaki didn't beat much yesterday, uh, you know, so what? I mean, what's the horse supposed to do? I mean, it's first up at the start of a, a Cox Plate preparation over an unsuitable distance. Um, what's it supposed to do, win by 20? I mean, well, please. Exactly. You can only beat what you're presented with or what you're, what you're put up against and... Uh, I thought the win was, was extremely authoritative. And I've got to admit, I was one who was a teeny bit doubtful going into yesterday. I just watched that barrier trial. and Maybe I read too much into it. Well, obviously, I did because I was wrong. But um, he, he he was firm in the market. He wasn't a big firmer. He started $2.30, but um, he won impressively. And uh, we look forward to seeing him either in the George Main or the Underwood. So everything on target with Zaki for the Cox Plate. His uh, grand final is clear and defined. We're looking back at racing at Royal Randwick yesterday. thought we might go to take an Everest viewpoint now and have a listen to the Concord. Nature Strip of the Ears Prick travelling to the turn by two lengths on Wild Ruler doing the chasing on the inside of Adelong. Two off to handle the truth and now trekking revved up four off them and Standout gets to the outside. Nature Strip is cruising in the lead here at the 250 from Wild Ruler and trekking getting past Adelong and then Standout but Nature Strip in full flight here in the Tab Concord and at his third tilt of the race he's a big winner today. Nature Strip won it by three lengths to Wild Ruler. Trekking third Handle the troop railing through to fourth. Then came Adelong from standout, standing bear and star boy in the time of 56.66. Yes, this was a track that was elevated from a soft five to a good four earlier in the day. But nevertheless, 56.66 is still a tidy gallop. And they didn't go that hard early. He wasn't the best away. He then accelerated as he does. But he travelled really well. He relaxed well. And they, they actually breezed through the first part. It came home in 32.62. I think Chris Wallace said this was one of his better first-up performances. And at last, for a Concord Stakes, it was a win because he's been beaten twice in it. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I found something Chris Wallace said after this race really fascinating. He said, look, this time last year, he said, um, Nature Strip had a plan A, but didn't have a plan B. He said, plan A, uh, you know, go fast in front. But if something sort of took him on, uh, there was sort of no plan B. Whereas, I mean, obviously, he got things his own way, uh, I, I guess, to some extent yesterday. But Chris Waller now feels that if something wants to go mad and take him on, he can quite comfortably take a sit. He's a lot more tractable, uh, races a lot more generously. So, look, we'll see that, obviously, later in the preparation. But I, I suppose, I mean, he came into outright Everest favouritism 
well, probably didn't learn a whole lot apart from, you know, he's again going to be the you know one of the horses to beat in the Everest. He was probably expected to, to do what he did yesterday, but, but he did it. So that was a tick. There was a, a, a hope that Wild Ruler could win and then be considered as, uh, for a slot. I doubt he would get one now. Uh, he couldn't beat Nature's Trip on what we saw yesterday. A trekking's run I thought was quite good. I thought he was a little below par during our carnival up here. I expected a bit more of him, but I think many did. But um, under the circumstances, a 1,000 metres when you're going leader to win a th- uh, sub-33, well, I thought his run was quite good. Yeah, so did I, actually. And it's really interesting. Godolphin obviously have their own Everest slot, and uh, they've made no bones about it at the moment that trekking is their number one seed, which given the amount of young horses and, and quality young horses they have coming up through the ranks, must tell you that trekking's going okay. Yeah, exactly right. And the good part from an Everest viewpoint, from a promotional viewpoint... As I said last week, the first official salvo was fired by Mars Crusader. Awesome performance, last to first. So he's right there on target. Nature Strip, he's been beaten twice before in this race. Yesterday, bang, on target wins. So the two slot holders so far, tick, tick, big ticks, in fact. And, of course, next week with the shorts, another chapter will will, will develop. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to see a few mini Everest, aren't we, in the next few weeks, and we'll probably have a, a, a better idea of um, you know what we want to back, I guess, um, going into an Everest. Of course, that's the shorts on the 18th, not the 11th. There's my first error this morning. I thought you'd pick that up, but... No, I don't like to bag you on here. I generally just bag you behind your back, Dave. <laughs> you know that. Well, you're not alone in that. <laughs> Let's go to the other feature yesterday, uh, the Princess Series, and uh, this was the Furious Stakes for the three-year-old fillies, and it was an open betting race. Enterprise Pom, two in front, a joyous legend, Robodera. Then came Swift Witness, knuckling down. Several lengths further back to She's All Class, Mallory White out. DNN, Dreddy and Nashmati starting to slice through the pack. Enterprise Pom being tackled by Robodera. Swift Witness can't get there now. Jamea White out, swapping them with a big run late. Robodera and Jamea. Robodera, Jamea. I think Jamea went home best. Give it to Jamea and the Furious Stakes and a photo from Robodera. Great finish there. Mallory He's run third in front of Enterprise Pom, then four moves ahead, Nasmati. Further back to Yearning, she's all class. Uh, then came Ruby Kisses, Dan Andretti didn't pick up at the end. Joyous Witness weakening out and Walls. Yeah, we're seeing through this Princess series uh, fairly large fields and um, no clear-cut standout. Often in, in this Princess series, you'll get one or two that will emerge and they get to the Group 1 flight and, you know, they're dominant in the market. So far, we haven't seen that. But Jamea, one thing about her is uh, the further the distance, there should be no drama. That was a powerhouse finish by her. Yeah, and it's interesting that the training, uh, father and son training team already talking about taking on the Golden Rose. And, of course, a uh, affiliate has never won the Golden Rose. So they would be bucking history, but they think they have won good enough. And you know what? I love the fact that they had Brock, Brock Ryan on board yesterday. Their phones would have been ringing hot. Obviously, Tommy Berry had ridden the horse before and was suspended. Uh, and she was. I thought it was a cool ride. Things were a little bit messy for Jamea early in the race, um, but Brock Ryan just kept his cool. Uh, didn't get the horse into a bumping battle or a, you know knocked around because I think she's quite a small, small little filly. And uh, yeah, it was it was a ride beyond his years. I thought it was terrific. Yeah, no, uh, she's a, she's a talent, Jamea. She's only had the seven starts for the three wins, and of course she was a Group Two winner. She won the Percy Sykes at her last run in her juvenile campaign. Remember one day you sat here and you said, I like the run of that horse, Enterprise Yes, Pop. wasn't that a good run yesterday? Well, Dr. Pirtle has, um, has a great association with Gerald Ryan, has sent the horse out. And I tell you what, she didn't disgrace herself. She led them up and ran fourth, beat about a length on the line. So her run was good. Yeah, absolutely. I spoke to Mick Lakey uh, at uh, Eagle Farm, I almost said Dooman, but Eagle Farm uh, yesterday and he was uh, he was absolutely thrilled. Would have been nice, I suppose, had that horse just snuck into third, wouldn't it? But uh, a huge run, nevertheless. Yeah, exactly right. Well, that was Royal Randwick yesterday. Of course, next Saturday we go to Kembla, the Rose Hill meeting at Kembla with the run to the Rose, a really important stepping stone to the Golden Rose. We'll see Converge back in action there next Saturday at Kembla. Of course, past the post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. They were in the money yesterday. They keep getting winners. Funny money. One down at the Gold Coast. She's been busting to break through, and she did yesterday. Funny so. money. What a good name for a horse. It's well named. It's by Capitalist Out of Laughter. Wow. So it's well named. Funny money. And uh, a good team there. And, of course, as we've been saying, just go to the website, archerparkracing.com.au. This is a pretty important time of year, folks, if you want to become an owner or you're, or you're thinking of becoming an owner because we're getting into the, the two-year-old racing won't be too far away. Magic Millions alike, there's plenty there on that website where you can buy a share as small or as big as you like, archerparkracing.com.
Scratch.com.au. Your horse was scratched yesterday. Early thoughts. What happened there? Yeah, just a bit, just a bit chinny, I think, Dave. Uh, might have actually been a sneaky chance at Eagle Farm too. Hey, listen, just a quickie. Um, bit of news, before, just uh, which is sort of relevant to Melbourne before we get on to the Melbourne mm. bit of the program. Uh, big news overnight out of England. Prince of Iran, uh, the very, very popular horse, three-time Melbourne Cup place getter, has failed the vets to come to uh, Melbourne for the Spring Carnival. So that horse has been retired. So that is... Uh, he ran... Uh, uh, yesterday uh, was an unsuitably run race, you know, wasn't anything to write home about. So, look, you know, chances are if he had come here, we may have seen the best of him in previous years. But, uh, yeah, big call. I mean, Racing Victoria vets have uh, effectively said no, no, no. And just reading Charlie Fellow's quotes overnight, uh, it seemed like there was no specific reason for it apart from the horse's age almost. So, you know, they sort of said this is an eight-year-old horse, got a few sort of war wounds and whatever. So it wasn't as though there was a, a specific no. Problem. So it's it's a really really interesting story. I think. So I was going to ask you the, the fact that he he's hasn't been green lighted to come to for the Melbourne for his fourth Melbourne Cup. So are those rules are the ones that Racing Victoria said out he hasn't passed those? Correct. The new rules regarding scintigraphies. But it's interesting the way they've done it to Racing Victoria. So they do not announce these things themselves. They do not say this horse has failed the vet. Um, they leave it up to you know the owners and, and trainers and and. Charlie Fellows revealed that himself last night. So, look, um, oh, look, I don't know whether he would have made a... You could make a case for him to win a Melbourne Cup this year. He's probably another year older and whatever. But, but uh, you know, favourite horse for many Australians. I reckon a lot of sort of once-a-year punters would have backed Prince of Aaron just because of the story. And we won't see him again. He's been retired, but he's been retired happy and healthy. So that's a good thing. Good thing, yeah. He kept, uh, he kept running out of his skin in those Melbourne Cups. But let's go to Melbourne. It was the Valley yesterday. Two Group 2s, the Fee and... And the McEwen will go to the field firstly. Wide betting here, $5.50 the field. Elephant, an up-and-comer, was the favourite. Streets of Avalon joined by Shot of Irish approaching the 450. Nonconformist three wide. Best of days four wide. Elephant stoked along behind them. Sierra Sue needs a run. Then Chapada Dawn Patrol and Superstorm the rails. Streets of Avalon around the corner at the 200 metres leaves the fence. There's a run for Elephant. Here's Nonconformist joining in with Shot of Irish. Superstorm back on the fence. Elephant takes the lead at the 150 from Streets of Avalon. Sierra Sue, the chosen one under the arches. Elephant just in. In front, Superstorm up on the fence. They go to the line. Dead eight photo. Elephant or Superstorm. Photo third, the chosen one, non-conformist. Streets of Avalon, Sierra Sue all there. Then shot of Irish. Further back in the field, Chapada. Sound, best of days. Then came Port Guillaume, Dawn Patrol. Their heads have hit it together. Superstorm will just win. Yeah, it was a type one and Superstorm. Both Superstorm and Elephant uh, took advantage of in, an inside run when Streets of Avalon drifted off. Probably the, the pattern during the day suggested it might be better being out three or four or even five wide, you know, gaining, gathering momentum. But the, both Oliver on Superstorm and Curry on Elephant weren't in any position to be getting out there, so they had to chance their arm and uh, Superstorm railing up inside of Elephant to win by a nose. And, of course, by winning the fee and stakes, uh, he gets a free pass into either the Cox Plate or the Caulfield Cup. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, Danny O'Brien uh, certainly wasn't committing to a, a Cox Plate for Superstorm. Obviously, there's some... Well, there'll be some superstars going to a Cox Plate. I mean, we talked to Annabelle Nisham earlier about Zaki. But, uh, look, that was a D Oliver special, wasn't it? It was a really tricky map for that horse. Uh, just snuck up along the fence. I thought Elephant ran out of his skin. Um, like, he was he was terrific. Uh, he was beaten for the first time, but certainly uh, not disgraced. I think from uh, a futures point of view, too, the, the chosen one, a nonconformist, put in really nice Scorefield Cup trials, especially the chosen one. Uh, so that's, you know, it was, to be honest, it was people were potting the fiend a little bit, the quality of it before the race. I thought it was a really stirring race. I, I really enjoyed watching it. We often talk about strike rates. We say, oh, you couldn't make that horse. He's got a poor strike rate. Well, Superstorm's strike rate for the win is ordinary, but it's a little misleading as well. Like, he's won now three from 15, but his third win was in a group two yesterday. But you've got to remember, go back through his, you know, fairly uh, light career so far, placed in Australian Guineas, an all-star mile at Turak. So, you know, only three wins on the board, but a lot of good placings in good races. Yeah, and it looks like um, that horse is most likely heading to an Underwood there. Um, and from what Annabelle told us earlier, could potentially face off uh, against uh, Zaki. Gee whiz, Sierra Sue had absolutely no luck. Wasn't that horse busting for a run? I, I reckon, given clean air, probably wins. It was a big go in this race. I know Mark Hunter liked it yesterday. Dawn Patrol, one of uh, uh, Team Williams, was off the map. It was $19, down to about $7. Got a long way back, never improved its position, only beat 
two to the line. But Superstorm winning, Damien Oliver, his fourth Fian Stakes uh, victory there yesterday as a jockey. Let's go to the other group too. This was the Sprint, the McEwen in Portland Sky. First up was Well Fancy too, $2.45. Estela Rocker took a steady up, approaching the turn, led from Portland Sky, who's about to stool it up again. Elected a half, Ashlaw, Sir Callahad, Fine Day in the fence, the Inferno deepest, then Wisdom of Water, September runs second last, still five off the front from Bold Star. Estela Rocker, 200 to go. Portland Sky ambles up on the outside, then came the Inferno. Portland Sky lets down 100 to go. The Inferno's giving it a race and went on by September run late. The Inferno is burning today and won it from a photo September run or Portland Sky and they were followed next in the field by Esther LaRocca, Fine Danes and Callahad, Wisdom of Water, Bold Star and Ashlaw. Well all the talk about the Everest which is what six weeks away has been about a certain group of horses but one horse that never rated a mention was the Inferno but I notice now in tab markets he's been inserted, inserted into the tab <laughs> Everest market at $26 because that was a dynamic performance yesterday at Group 2 level. Cliff Brown, his trainer's joining us. Cliff, good morning. Good morning. How are you both? Yeah, well, thank you. And thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, I read a report, and, uh, well, I believe it to be true, that actually this horse, the Inferno, really, in, in a way, shaped your thoughts to come back from Singapore to Melbourne. Oh, look, there were lots of factors, but he was certainly a part of it, that's for sure. Is he the best horse you've ever had, Cliff? I mean, you've 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 had a lot of horses in your care over the time, but I mean, uh, well, certainly, is he a? Is he the best, or if he's not, is he not, is he the most exciting slash promising horse? I look, I think in the emotion, I've probably got to be carried away. I do think he is the best I've had. Now he hasn't shown that yet, um, but I do think he is. He can, you know, like they were a very good field of you know of sprinters, a couple of Group One winners behind him, and recent Group One winners, you know, and and. Uh, to win a race like that, hands and heels, uh, I think was very impressive. And he was able to be ridden cold because of a good hot speed. Was he just a bit too key to the regal roller first up at Caulfield? Oh, absolutely. Look, um, I, I got it very wrong. You know, I, I've said that before. And uh, he went there. And I, I knew he'd improve for the run that day. Uh, but it, but he was nowhere near ready. You know, he, he blew for an hour after the race. It was... Uh, I didn't do the right thing by him at all. He was, he was nowhere near ready. But it taught me what I had to do and... You go away and, and, and work out what you need to do to, to change it and fix it. And, uh, you know, he, he ran very well yesterday. He still had a blow. He'll still continue to improve, which, you know, most horses second run into a preparation will do. So, uh, but, but look, thankfully he came home last night. He's eaten up and uh, his legs are nice. So he's nice and bright and we're pleased with him. So there are still quite a few Everest slots left. Was that a, was that a promotional slash throwaway line or do you really think he would be particularly suited to, to, to an Everest? I think it's both. Yep. Um, unless people know you're interested, uh, they're never going to call you. So you've got to let them know. But oh, I genuinely think, uh, you know, Nature Strip, Eduardo, uh, Gitra, you, you know, they're very, very good horses. So are we in their league? I don't know. But unless I put my hand up and say, listen, we want to have a go, we'll never know. So um, I, I just know what he can do. Uh, seeing what he can do, he loves a hot tempo, a hot speed. Importantly, yesterday it was a wet track and he got through that well. So he likes the berm and now we've discovered he likes the wet. So in Sydney, you know, at that time of year, anything can happen weather-wise. So I think that's a great advantage as well. Yeah, exactly right. It, it becomes sort of a, a difficult situation, but a nice situation to be in because he did signal his um, possibility of, of, of securing a slot at the Everest, but you can't just solely rely on that. You can't just keep looking at the phone. Uh, if the Everest wasn't there, what is your plan with the Inferno this spring? Oh, no, look, we'll just... just Listen, there's, there's nothing set in concrete, nothing set in stone. I always like to give them a week to 10 days and see how they are and and then um, and then find a race after that. I, I don't sort of set it in concrete at this point. Can, can you give a, a, our listeners just, a, a, you know, a bit of an insight into your stable? Like how many how many horses you have? You've got some particularly promising ones that you're sort of yet to unleash since you've been back in Australia or, or where you're sort of at and what you're trying to build to, I guess. Oh, look, we're, we're, we're just brand new, you know. Um, we've only been going three months. Uh, we've only got 14 in work. We've got room for about 28. And we're just building from there. We've got a lot of two-year-olds to come in. Um, look, it, it, it's, uh, it's a nice size stable. I, I'll enjoy that. Um, but, but that's us. That's where we are. Uh, I think we'll be pretty ruthless on what we keep and work and what, you know, what we move on. 
but but that's just the size of it, and that's what I'm I'm looking to do. Cliff, just before you go, and, and you you have outlined that you like to let the dust settle, but as far as his next start is concerned, his very next run, have you got any rough idea where you might be headed? Not yet, no. Okay. No, not yet. No, look, in fairness, I never do because you can say he's going to go there and then suddenly you don't go there and, and because of varying reasons. So I think if you just let that dust settle, make sure he's okay, make sure he's pulled up well, recovered, and then and then outline it from there. What is his best distance? Oh, I think 12, 1,400 metres. Okay. You know, I, I came back yesterday because I couldn't have a repeat of what happened to Caulfield. And I knew going back to that trip, they'd go hard enough that he would relax. And I think that run was important for him mentally. You know, when, when you have a horse that sort of races upside down, you've got to sort of take stock and put them in a position that next time where they don't do that again. And, and then from there, I think you can move forward. Good on you, mate. Uh, good win yesterday. And wherever he heads in the spring, I'm, I'm sure wherever he heads, he'll be competitive. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much. Have a good day. Cliff Brown joining us this morning um, with the Inferno. And look... Let's be honest, uh, the strike rate is, we're talking about strike rates, it's there for all to see. Now, nine wins from 11. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll know more about, uh, for instance, uh, that horse's Everest potential or prospects in the next couple of weeks when we see those mini Everest in Sydney, whether the remaining slot holders swoop on some of those horses. But I love what he said there. Like, I, I mean, you, he's not dying wondering. I mean, if you don't sort of put your hand up and say, hey, oh, I think sure. I've got a horse good enough to run and, and be very competitive in an Everest, I mean, no one probably knows, you know. Like, he says, I mean, I'm sure his phone you know, may have rung a little bit, but, but gee whiz, by sort of promoting yourself, promoting your brand, promoting your horse, you, you sort of, and he's no mug, is he? I mean, he's trained in, in Singapore for a long time. He's a very, very good horseman, so he knows what he's talking about. Portland Sky just overhauled late, certainly not disgrace. In September run, her run was good first up. She hit the line well. We know she really flies down the Flemington Strait, but uh, I'm sure Connections would have been pleased with her first up performance. Well, we've been talking about the Princess Series in uh, in Sydney, but of course uh, there's a band of three-year-old fillies races in Melbourne, and as we lead up towards races like the Thousand Guineas and the like, let's go to the Atlantic Jewel yesterday over the 1,200 metres. So the leader, Queen of Dubai, as the field clutter up now, approaching the turn at the 400. From Scorched Earth commands the field. Libiamo stokes up four deep, a length away Zuzarella, and then came behind them La Rock and Argenti is trying to get a run badly, bailed away. Scorched Earth takes the lead at the 150. Zuzarella's the threat. Scorched Earth joined by Zuzarella. Zuzarella takes the lead inside the 100. She's powering away, and Zuzarella won it from Larkspur run. Literary magnate through for third. Mac and cheese four. There were some runs in this. Then Queen of Dubai. Argentia has never seen daylight at any stage. Scorched Earth commands the field and behind them Biscayne Bay towards the end of the field. Rock pulls up quickly alongside of Libiamo. I don't know what it is about this filly whether she doesn't present well or not in the enclosure because she had a wrap on her before her first start. She blew like a gale won impressively. Similar story yesterday, $10 out to 13 and again impressive in winning. Yeah, absolutely, and there were some hard luck stories, but let's not take anything away from the winner. She won by two lengths despite sort of sitting wide for most of the trip. She's been elevated now uh, I think 2,000 guineas favourite or very close she to favourite. Uh, $11 down to 7. And Brett Preble, white hot form uh, continues. Uh, gee whiz, hasn't he had a few weeks? And he's also been booked for Probabile right through to the Cox Plate B Preble. So he's in for some sort of spring, I think. Anthony and Sam Friedman have a nice one there in Zuzarelli. Yes, she's now the thousand guineas favourite. Still, still plenty of water to flow under the bridge. Let's have a listen to our last highlight from the Valley yesterday. This was the listed Chautauqua. Great again just in front of Pintoff Kelkani Royale. A length ancestry. Azar needs a run. So too Balanipatina. And then came Express Pass. An Irish flame from order of command around the turn. Great again Pintoff Kelkani Royale. Express Pass makes a line of four. Then Balanipatina Irish flame. Express Pass goes for home. A hundred metres to go. Well clear of Balanipatina when it's all too late. Express Pass wins. Balanipatina Irish flame. Then Azar. Next Pintoff and Great again. Further back in the field, order of command, simply optimistic. Kelkani Royale, Dallas San, just a canter. I am someone deep speed and ancestry was last. 
Originally an emergency, secured a start for Nick Ryan and John McNeil picked up the ride. They got the money, tracking a path about three or four off the inside of midfield and finished off well to score. Yeah, it was a late, uh, relatively late pickup ride for John McNeil, I think, too. He's, gee whiz, he's an interesting case, John McNeil. He won the Melbourne Cup last year, obviously. I remember he's a lovely, lovely fellow, terrific jockey. I remember having a chat to him about six months ago and saying, look, he just after getting himself up and, and to the highs, the exhilarating highs of winning a Melbourne Cup, for the next three or four months, he just struggled a bit mentally. And, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a new father and he's a family man. He just, he was just struggling a little bit, you know, after, after winning the Melbourne Cup at such an early age. But I think uh, he's back, he's focused, he's riding really well. And with uh, jockey sideline from one reason or another in Melbourne, he'll get a lot of opportunities, young Jai. Yeah, exactly right. Well, that was the Valley yesterday. We head to Flemington, of course, next Saturday uh, for a big day of racing there. Let's, and the Maccabi Diva, of course, being the Group 1 feature. Let's take a short break here on Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. We'll come back and have a look at Eagle Farm yesterday. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Thanks for your company this morning on Past the Post. Ben Norris and I looking back at racing yesterday. We've covered off on Royal Randwick. We've covered off on the Valley. Let's go to our own backyard at Eagle Farm where we raced on a good four track. The Tattersalls Racing Club hosted the nine event up. Race 8 was a very interesting race. A three-year-old with several key runners resuming. Around the turn, they come away from the rail and upon straightening, she's heavily went up to Rubiquitous. Mr. Laramie saving great ground with the rattlesnake. They're getting up on the inside. Wider was Snowdrop. Then Matale, Rhapsody Rose and the QS is right down the outside. Mr. Laramie coming after Rubiquitous. Still there was the rattlesnake. Rhapsody Rose and the QS are out wider. 100 metres left to go. Rubiquitous. Rubiquitous finding plenty. They're not going to catch Rubiquitous. All the way beat Mr. Laramie. Third over the line was... The Rattlesnake, fourth either Rhapsody Rose or the QS, a long margin snowdrop, Natale or Matale, and last over the line was She's Heavenly. Rubiquitous, Michael Carl riding a $14 chance. Now, I didn't get the chance to read the Courier Mail on Saturday during the day. It's just too busy. So last night when I was just relaxing and enjoying, I read a story that Trenanakis wrote, and he was talking about these horses of Chris Anderson, and I noticed one paragraph there where Chris Anderson said, look, I place him in the order of the Rattlesnake, Snowdrop and Rubiquitous. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't now, it? He's a great trainer, but I think we've got to say he's a bad judge. Good morning, Chris. Just looking for a price, David. <laughs> yeah, and that's always you, mate, I know. I know. But but I tell you what, if you, if you, if you ever want to be wrong, well, you were happy to be wrong yesterday. Oh, of course, yeah. Like, he's a genuine... I, I did say to Trent, he's a genuine Saturday-class horses bike. He's only had the two starts prior to yesterday, and he... He won very well on debut, which is always hard to do for any horse. And uh, second up, he was probably a little bit stiff not to have won. Uh, Brad dropped his uh, his stick on that occasion, and had he not, maybe might have uh, been two from two. But uh, look, we've got an opinion of him. We wouldn't have sent him to town Saturday grade had we not. Um, look, if he was the cutest horse, he may have raced the week before. But as I said to the owners, we can go back and race, you know, in provincial grade as a four-year-old. Um, for, for, for provincial prize money, but when he get three-year-old mm. prize money for so long, um, you know, he's up to it. But to be honest, you know, it wouldn't surprise me um, for him to have won, run a nice race yesterday, run six. These three-year-old races, David, as you know, are in Brisbane are always so very strong. So hopefully he's got a bright career. Chris, you were telling me, I can't remember whether it was pre or post race, but uh, the rattlesnake absolutely pulled this guy's pants down when they worked together yet. Uh, Rubiquitous has turned the tables on race day, eh? Yeah, that's right. But I think when you watch horses work, Ben, and it's probably something that we always need to be very mindful of, we're not working them at the level of intensity that we are seeing them go out and execute on race day. So if a horse is going a little bit of evens from the 1,000 and spring up two furlongs, uh, it's a completely different set of work than, as I say, you'll see them under different levels of pressure race day. So it does tell a story, but, you know, Rubiquitous just, you know, it, it's all about how a horse can sustain uh, a speed over a trip, and we don't ask them to sustain that speed over a trip every Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday when they are doing fast work. So, yes, it does give you a line on some occasions, but speed tempo barriers and all those external factors do play a huge part. And as I say, if uh, if, if if we as trainers knew, uh, we'd be retired. We'd be sending our kids to get degrees in training racehorses, and uh, <laughs> we'd be driving Porsches like the jockeys. Oh, I heard you do drive a Porsche. Is that right? I drive a Toyota. Right, okay. Got that wrong. 
What about? What about? Uh, I reckon I saw this horse in a race when I went to an Ipswich meeting about a month ago, and it was scratch. Was that right? It was. Yeah, I just like it was the right race for him, David, and I just thought, oh, he's just going to find Ipswich too hard to overcome. Like he's a big leggy horse. He's got plenty of scope. Um, he's still putting it all together. Even McCarlson just like going to the gates. He's just. You know, tried to put the brakes on on a number of occasions and almost dislodged him. He's just so green and raw. But uh, I thought, you know what, half mile at Ipswich, in hindsight, it probably was the right decision to send him there. But uh, it, it, um, it it was just one of those races I really did question. And I thought, no, I'll save him for the sunny coast. Then we drew awful. And I thought, well, we'll kick him off yesterday. Uh, and are you obviously an Eagle Farm trainer? Are you satisfied with um, you know the recent meeting regarding the track and the plan uh, effectively to rebuild? You know, I don't know, rebuild's maybe too strong a word, but revamp the track after next year's Winter Carnival. Are you satisfied where that's at? Yeah, I am actually. Um, look, it's 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 a necessity that we continue to keep racing now. I'm sure, unless other race meets can take or, or fill the void of Eagle Farm, but. You know, there's some horses that love it. There's some that battle to get through it. You know, Gemmell and Bolt's one that Ray said three weeks ago, he couldn't go a yard in it. We took him to doom it on Wednesday. And, look, he ran 30, misses start, but arguably, you know, goes close to winning had he not sort of brought himself undone out of the gates. But, yeah, look, I think it's an absolute necessity um, that we see the Kaikuya go back in there and we see more Sandy Loam to give it a, a, a better profile to allow better growing conditions but understand that we've got to keep utilising it for 12 months. So 100% I think it needs to be ripped up. And from what I can gather, uh, I think that's certainly the plan. But you're right there. It's a good point you make. We can't take our eye off the ball of what we have to work with over the next 12 months. The intel I got yesterday was that the track was not as firm as maybe as it has been in recent weeks. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, and it was just starting to get a little bit uh, shifty on top. I think that's pretty common, David, when, you know, the, the day moves on Michael Carl um, was, was suggesting that you probably didn't want to be sort of too close to the fence. And as we saw, it was um, certainly being ridden that way yesterday. But, yeah, I guess there's so many theories and thoughts and whatnot. But I think collectively, I would have to say, David, from what I'm hearing, and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, I think the majority of the industry would certainly like to see uh, that 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 Kaikuya go in and a real you know change of profile. Another issue for you, Ando. Um, you've been a, a big one supporting uh, you know if it's possible later starting times. I guess for trainers, and you, you've had a bit of a trial. Uh, with your stable, obviously you're a family man. Uh, you keen to spend while you you do a magnificent job with your co- your horses. You keen to spend as much time as well with your your family as you can. Can you just inform our listeners as to how that sort of uh, later starting times trial is, is progressing? And do you, do you think it's something that we'll we'll take on elsewhere? Uh, it is magnificent, um, and the great thing is that I've said it all along. It's important that we don't. Um, disadvantage those that don't want to change and we haven't, you know, the BRC have been great by giving us, and, and let me make it clear, it's only an extra half hour that we've asked for to allow us to sort of kick off that 6am time slot, but it has been fantastic, my staff love it, my, you know, my, my track riders love it um, I hope it continues and there's no doubt this is the way of the future, it will change and, and racing is so far behind most other industries, so um yeah, I know I've been quite vocal on this, and I'm probably a little bit selfish, Ben. I do have three kids, and it's not the fact that I want sleep-ins. It's the fact that I pretty well go to uh, a sport every night to see them train, and I love doing it. And uh, as I say, a lot of a lot of trainers don't have kids, or the kids have grown up, so they've been through the hard yards of doing what I'm doing. But, yeah, my family are my priority, and um, I'd like to think we could certainly do both. But, you know, racing is just so demanding. I've been in there this morning for three or four hours, um, you know, setting up this week's programs and work and whatnot seeing our horses are pulled up it's 24 7 i know it's all about you know people have spoken about it's a it's a way of life it's not a job um but i think we could do it better and i think there's a number of things that racing will inevitably be forced to change because you know whether you love it or you hate it you know we're going to see a lot more night racing we're lucky to see a game of footy these days played during the day and it's all revolving around, you know, broadcasts and when people can have a bet. And we've got to make sure that we 100% look after the punter. And I've always said, why do we race our second biggest race day on a Wednesday? I just never get it. Most people are, you know, on the tools working as tradesmen or they're sitting behind a desk. And 
we're asking them to tune in on a Wednesday. I, I can't work it out, but I think there's a lot of change in racing. I think racing's just been one of these industries that has probably just not evolved with most others. Um, happy to be told otherwise, and I'm happy to be wrong, but that's the layout of the land as to where I probably currently see things. And I think the future's going to be quite different to the one we, we know it as it exists. And I, I believe Michael Friedman and John O'Shea have started training later in Sydney too, but happy to be wrong there, but that's certainly what I've heard. Yeah, I think it's very difficult for people to um, contemplate change, let alone accept change, let alone implement change. And it needs people to take a step forward sometimes, like yourself, and, and, and maybe, you know, have to wear the the, um, the pe- people talking about you saying, well, you know, what would you know? But, I mean, if no-one says anything, nothing happens. And I know so many times, you know, things in racing, you'd say, oh, why is this? Well, because it is. I mean, <laughs> it's just no-one ever knows why something is. It's just because it's always been that way and they never even contemplate change. So I think you're on the right tram there. Just before you go, we've run out of time. Ballistic Boy, he runs a Doobin next Saturday. Yeah, that's right. He'll go to the Dubin Mile. He'll probably go for a little let-up, David. Uh, might have sort of 10 days out, then we'll come back. And he won't go to Sydney. We'll focus on some of those uh, summer carnival races. And, you know, there's a nice couple of set weights races there in November, December that we'll, we'll, we'll target with him. Good on you, mate. Always good to talk to you. Thanks for having me, guys. There he is, Chris Anderson. The actual uh, uh, ubiquitous... If you're, if you're a ubiquitous person, that means you're always around. You've got a strong presence. This is by Rubik. So the actual pronunciation should be re- re- ubiquitous. <laughs> you try spinning that out in a thousand metre race. I tried yeah. before the race, just practising. I can't do it. So it's got to be ubiquitous. But whatever its name is, uh, it was a good yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And it shows you, despite what Ando said there about you know having a good opinion of the horse, uh, he wouldn't have been surprised if his three horses there had a run on place. So sometimes it shows you, as a punter, just back your own judgment. Ando rated it last. It's in print. Let's go to race six yesterday. Here's a race for you. Uh, Royal Hale, he's the part owner, Norris. Uh, he was the favourite. Genzai the Wolf, the only runner back to beat him and was back to beat him. In the home straight, though, there's the run for Royal Hale. Genzai the Wolf rallying up to piracy. Super Bowl Sunday still there. Then ahead of his time, Enterprise Prince, Junction and Tokariki Land. Royal Hale and Genzai the Wolf are going stride for stride. Ahead of his time is running on. Royal Hale, Genzai the Wolf. Genzai the Wolf, Royal Hale. Who's going to want it more? Who's going to want it more? Genzai did. Genzai the Wolf. Beat home Royal Hale. Third over the line was ahead of his time. Then came Enterprise Prince Super Bowl Sunday, Tokariki Lad Piracy, and Junction Last Home. When I said there, who wanted it more? I was expecting you to look up at me at the broadcast <laughs> and say, I wanted more. I'm on Royal Hale. Well, you sounded particularly excited there, Dad. Did you have a few shekels on that horse? I did have a few shekels on, on Genzai the Wolf, and the man who trains him, I've known him a long time. And every time he wins a race, I'm always happy for him. David Murphy. Good morning, Murph. Morning, Dave. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Happy this morning? Yeah, very happy, mate. It was a uh, good day yesterday. Good day, all right. Hey, uh, we're talking about, you know, some horses don't handle Eagle Farm. We all get that. This horse is in stark contrast. He loves it. Yeah. Yeah, mate, you're spot on. He, he, um, he, he loves it. You know, I can't explain why, but he is a big horse and it's a big track and he's a big, long striding horse. And he has one at Doomed and David, sometimes you can be a bit slow away and get back a bit and get hung up in traffic there and can't get enough time to get at him, you know? Mm. While there's never uh, such a thing as a, as a two-horse race, did you think, well, a lot of people narrowed this down to Royal Hale and your horse. Did, did you did you think that as well? Did you think, well, we've just got to get the run to beat the favourite and, and away we go? Yeah, Ben, I took the same, exactly the same, mate. I just hoping a bit, bit of pace on because um, my butt can get pulling a bit and he, uh, he gets a bit overexcited and, uh, and he, he, he puts his breathing a bit out of whack. And, you know, so it was a bad done a good job he got up he got, a, got him up there he jumped good and yeah i thought with Hale, with that royal hail drawing the, the one alley it'll be third defense and hard to beat i thought she rode a particularly good race maddie because she jumped him out with purpose put him in the right spot she knew where her main danger was and all of a sudden she made the move three wide at the turn she didn't want to get get caught anywhere royal hail was was probably always probably going to get a run but she was right on the scene she was ready to attack those leaders and she wasn't going to be dying wondering. I thought it was a 10 out of 10 ride. 100%, Dave. I, I was very happy with her attitude when she came out to the uh, talk to the owners. She was very positive. Um, she had, a, had an idea in her head what she wanted to do. So I just said to her, you know what you're doing. You're not turning winners. Now leave it up to you.
Dave, um, do you have a Theo Green story for us? Of course, one of your first jobs in racing was was working for the great man. Uh, is, there, is there one Theo Green story you could give our listeners on Father's Day that would that, be worth repeating? Um, oh, geez, long time ago now, Ben. <laughs> yeah, he's a, I know he always talked loud. I'm not calling the boss all the time. I know that much. <laughs> and he always screamed at us. And, and uh, I asked him for a day off. I'd been there for about two months. And I said, boss, would I have a day off? He said, no, son, you keep working. <laughs> you, know, you, just, you know, that's sort of what he... He's a pretty hard taskmaster, but he's a, he's a brilliant man. Hey, this always gets eye of the wolf. We've been talking on this show in recent weeks about how training has changed over, over the years. Whereas once... You know, a horse would have a, a good campaign and then have a pretty long spell. Not Genzai the Wolf. He's been in racing since the start of January, but your pattern with him's quite obvious. It's quite clear. Virtually like a month or three weeks between runs, and that's been happening since the start of the year. Well, what happens, Dave, is he's, he's, um, well, he's, he's hyperactive. He's, he loves doing stuff. He loves he loves going to the track in the morning and going for a cotton can around there, looking around, and, um, you know, so... I put him in a paddock there one time, give him about six, seven weeks off, and he came back terrible, absolutely terrible. He fell away, and you know, I asked the person, I was after him, he said, oh, no, he just, he just stands in the corner and doesn't do anything. So he obviously gets bored and he doesn't like it. So I thought I'd better change this around a bit, and, and I, I sort of get him out there, and it's been a week off, maybe 10 days after he's had three or four runs, tops, and it just seems to be working for him because it keeps him busy, he likes being busy, and um, it seems to be working at the moment anyway. David, have you got uh, on Father's Day for all the dads out there? Have you got an upcoming winner, or if you haven't, is there a horse from your stable uh, that we can follow with a bit of confidence uh, when we next uh, see um, the races? Well, I got uh, Shin Shinto in next Saturday, and you know he's probably a borderline town horse. But if it rains and he draws Nelly, he'll 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 go well. If, it, if the rains, if the tracks like soft or worse, he'll he'll, he'll race well. He's going well. He's a big horse. I remember many years ago when Murph used to win a race, I'd say whether it was on the radio or at the track, I'd say, now he's won, David Murph. He's a generous man. He's going to shout the bar at Gallopers because, of course, yes. the popular watering hole. Now, I know you did it, but look, today, why don't you shout all the dads a beer at Gallopers on Father's Day? Well, I'm not going there, but I'm going somewhere else. I will... I'll share the few where I'm going anyway. Well, the good news is too. Good news is too, Murph. With COVID restrictions and all that sort of stuff, you probably don't have to shout as many people. Like, like with social distancing and whatever, there probably won't be as many people there as there would have in a traditional Father's Day. So it might be a bit cheaper. Well, Mr. Fowler was certainly bankrupt. All the money I spent. With, but now COVID's coming, I'm, I've got more money now. <laughs> yeah, and you've got more money after yesterday as well. Hey, before you go, uh, I'm just trying to think. How old are you now? Uh, Fifty-two. 52, eh? Amazing. Gee, we've known each other a long time. I'm glad you won yesterday. The horse is going great guns and keep keep him up to the mark. We'll talk soon, eh? Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Ben. Good on you, David Murphy. Good bloke. Always great to see him win a race, particularly when I back him. Yeah, no, it's just a terrific result, Dave. I was just so thrilled for him. (laughs) Thanks for that. Just just rub it in a little bit more. Nah, but in fairness, that was a dead set of two horse race. And you know what? I didn't have a bet in the race. Uh,. But if I was going to, gee whiz, uh, the Genzai, you know, I think it was $4, $4.50 or something like that early on in the day. And if you've got it marked down to two, that's a pretty good price, isn't it? Life is about winning and losing. You've had your share of winning lately. You've got to be on the other side of the ledger occasionally. Can't be all... Why? Why do oh, I have to be on the other side of the ledger? Why can't I win all the time? Well, you can't. Doesn't make sense. You can't. Let's. Here's another winner I tip. Race five, Jay Sweet <laughs> Bell. She's in great form. Here's the replay. In the home straight, that dusty token under pressure. Jamaray on the outside went to it strongly. La Palmier swimming up on the outside. Sweet Rhapsody is diving for the rail. They didn't step under pressure. Followed by Click and Plenty. Jay Sweebell hands and heels by Taylor Marshall. Currently has a clear lead. La Palmier flat out giving chase. Then Sweet Rhapsody. Jay Sweebell with 100 metres left to go is well clear. If anything is increasing the margin. And she is a mare in brilliant form. Jay Sweebell one by three. La Palmier second. Plenty might have nabbed third from Sweet Rhapsody, then click and in a step, last over the line. You don't often see it. Uh, Taylor Marshall must have been experiencing deja vu yesterday. Two weeks ago at Eagle Farm, he won two races. One on top order and one on J. Sweet Bell. He won the same uh, on the same two horses yesterday in virtually the same sort of manner. Top order came from last along the rail and J. Sweet Bell was up on the lead and 
Uh, Mark Curry's got her going great gun. She's in a rich vein of form, J-Sweet Bell. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll see Soxagong. I think he, he's good horseback next Saturday. And I think uh, they're not uh, looking at the Wheatwood and potentially even a southern trip. Just talking about history repeating just quickly, I, I don't know the names of the horses, but I heard there was two horses on the Gold Coast yesterday that were involved in a protest, and those two horses were involved in, a, in the same protest a month earlier. Isn't that remarkable? What are the odds of that? Very long. I'll have to check that out for press room. Uh, Jay Sweet Bella, I heard Mark Curry say to Nathan Exelby after the race that he may consider running here in that Pink Ribbon Cup at the Gold Coast. That's on the 18th. That's 1,300 metres, mares only. Seems a bit of a step, but uh, she has been... She was solid at 1,200 a couple of runs ago, so interesting to see where she heads. Let's have a listen to our last replay from... Eagle Farm yesterday. The last race was a good betting race, the benchmark 75. In the end, though, Dusty Tycoon was really well back. $2.35 went off favourite. In the home straight, though, Dusty Tycoon under pressure, and Samurai on the outside went to it strongly. Then came Awesome Lad, 15 rounds. Getting up to the inside was Ocean Treaty. A few of the chance here, Samurai, Dusty Tycoon, Awesome Lad, Ocean Treaty coming through on the inside. Still a few with a chance, Ocean Treaty is coming home. Two to their one. Ocean Treaty gets up at the last, beats home Awesome Lad. Irish sequel jumped out of the ground, might have got third from Dusty Tycoon. They're followed then by 15 rounds, Samurai, then McCann. Cardo Estale girl, a Val Vinco and Hallowed girl last over the line. I was waiting for the correct weight to come up on the last race. Just uh... no, you didn't back this one as well, did you? <laughs> no, 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 but I've got a, I've got a, a whinging story. I was just tapping my fingers, waiting for the correct weight before I could leave. And I was looking at the the, the dividends. Ocean Treaty was uh, thirty one dollars. Awesome Land was twenty six dollars. Irish Sequel was twenty six dollars. I thought the trifecta would have paid like eight or ten thousand. It paid under four thousand. So there must have been some smart people out there that got it. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? And I you know what? This was the case of like Steph Thornton rode this winner. Uh, Leah Kilner, I think, is in fabulous form. The apprentice who rode the an early double. They of course lived together. Uh, so this was a bit of a case of Steph Thornton saying, you know, good on you, Leah, for early in the day. But you know what? I can ride a bit as well. <laughs> exactly right. And speaking of Leah, of course, she uh, rode a double first two races, and Rob Heathcote trained them both as what. And also, Sergeant Silver, I want to give Kim Anderson a mention because she's done a terrific job with Top Order. You talk about keeping horses up a long time. We, we talked about Genzai the Wolf. Well, ditto for Top Order. Been in work a long time and, and has never raced better. Now back-to-back city wins. In gear was successful for Tony Gollum as well. That was Eagle Farm, and that is past the post. We, at, we are past the post. Well and truly. We are. Um, once again, fathers out there, have a great day. I'm uh, My big treat on Father's Day is my lovely wife is going to buy me a beautiful Thai takeaway dinner. So that'll be terrific. Good to hear. Now, I won't be here next week. I'll what? Be, I'll be travelling back from Cairns next week. From I don't the, have to do this myself, do I? No, I'll find someone to hold your hand for, yeah, for excellent. the next hour. Yeah. Well, I actually wonder what happens if you don't turn up one day. I just gibber away from myself for an hour, or is that what happens? I'm sure you'll do it very well. <laughs> have a good day, folks. Enjoy your company. Bye-bye.